0: Well, 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 welcome to the Purple Stuff Podcast. Starring Jay from The Sexy Armpit and Matt from Dinosaur Dracula.
1: So, Matt, the other day I was thinking about how 1985 is, like, one of the greatest years of all time, at least in my opinion. Yeah, it was a good one. And 87 was awesome, too. No complaints about 87. But, like, 1986 doesn't really get its due.
2: I think there's a reason for that. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, as we found out in our research for this podcast, it's like everything good happened in 85 and 87, and 86 just doesn't exist.
1: But really, though, it's that's not true. So many cool things happened that year. For instance, let me rattle some off to you. Okay. Okay, Matt Groening creates The Simpsons.
2: True, but it didn't actually get seen on television until 87.
1: Right, true, true. Pixar Animation Studios opened in California. The song Who's Johnny by El DeBarge was the theme song for Short Circuit. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: You're right. It was
1: Uh, Alexandra Daddario from Texas Chainsaw 3D was born.
2: She was my God. We're old.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You got uh, Seth Rollins was born that year from WWE.
2: Jesus Christ. I have that many years on Seth Rollins.
1: I know. Right. Wow. Uh, Janet Jackson released her incredible. She wasn't born in 86. Oh, she released her incredible album control, which is fantastic. You know, lots of good stuff happened that year.
2: Yeah, I mean, I found a few things. I was just, you know, when you hear 1986, you picture that being like a quintessential 80s year. Right. But you're going through the actual facts, and you're like, wow, this is pretty slim pickings. (laughs) But like you said, there were some very important moments in pop culture.
1: Some milestones. And I think tonight on the Purple Stuff podcast... We're going to go through some of them, some that stand out to us personally.
2: Yes, I think you should start.
1: And here's my first favorite thing from
0: 1986. Number one.
1: So my first favorite thing from 1986
2: is Alf. Um, I, I know I didn't say anything, but I am mentally clapping.
1: Oh, okay. I know you're a fan. You dressed up as Alf one time. You shared that on the podcast one time.
2: Fucking loved Alf.
1: Yeah, I mean, Alf is my friend. He's your friend. And I'm actually sitting with Alf right now.
2: Oh, you mean the old Coleco doll?
1: Yeah, I have I have the wisecracking Alf, but he doesn't have the the voice box anymore. So he's sitting. He's not saying anything, but he's he is doing the podcast with us right now.
2: Oh God, I love those Coleco dolls. They were like my number one wanted Christmas gift that year. <laughs> ah, no, uh. <laughs> uh,
1: Alf was such a huge part of my childhood. I would have to say, and it was like a ritual on Monday nights when Alf was airing. I kind of got kicked out of the out of the room because the big TV in the uh, living room was showing Kate and Allie and my mother and sister would be watching that. So when Alf came on, I would be relegated to the kitchen and I'd have to watch a small black and white TV. So (laughs) I remember always sitting and I had funny bones every week funny bones funny bones uh, drake's funny bones yes Oh, okay yes peanut butter chocolate things yeah 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 so that would be my ritual to eat those and watch alf every monday night
2: well what your family didn't realize and they honestly should have like i think you could hold this against them if you were a kid roughly around our age 1986 you had to watch alf it was like more important than homework if you went to school the next day and you didn't see it boy were you like up shit's creek around the water cooler (laughs)
1: if we had them Mm. or the water fountain
2: exactly the water fountain
1: that tasted like rusty water
2: oh god I fucking hated those things (laughs) like when they would just like gently come out like a little drip and you'd know you'd have your mouth on someone else's like leftover mouth slime (laughs) and it just taint the water oh fucking terrible (laughs) ALF was one of the best things about 86 and that was one of the worst
1: yeah <laughs> anyway, I love this show. Uh and and I have it on DVD and it surprisingly is still it still holds up.
2: You know, I have to agree with you. I have I I mean the later seasons maybe not, but the first season, I've watched it on DVD fairly recently, mm-hmm. and I was floored by how funny it was.
1: It's funny. It's very smartly written. And, and it's like kind of dark. It's yeah, it's definitely dark and the creator and puppeteer uh, Paul Fusco He's like one of these mad scientist type guys because he acts like Alf is an actual alien. And apparently like on on different sets and different uh, guest spots he's had, like uh, I read about Tina Fey was mentioning how like, you know, he did his guest spot and Alf went into this case, this big giant like suitcase type thing. And then he disappeared like immediately. And they, they want everyone to feel like he's an actual alien.
2: So he's like a method puppeteer,
1: yes. <laughs> but yeah, for me it was like the best of all worlds. He's like a Muppet, and he, but he's he's like sarcastic, and so it was cool. It was, it was like one of those revolutionary shows for me. And getting the wise cracking Alf doll for Christmas that year was like it was like number one on my list. I think
2: the great thing about that talking doll is that you could just swipe the voice box out of it. Yep, and then sort of make yourself talk like Alf. Punch yourself in the
1: chest. (laughs) Years later, my uh, wisecracking elf doll started to to look like this. Oh, God, yep. (laughs)
2: They all did that eventually.
1: (laughs) No problem. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What do you got, Matt?
2: All right, here's my first favorite thing about 1986.
0: Number two.
2: From the summer of 1986, my first pick is Transformers, the movie. Mm. Did you see this in theaters?
1: Didn't see it in theaters. No, I did see it once it hit um, TV and, you know, uh, cable.
2: Wow, I'm surprised. Were you not, like, big on Transformers?
1: Not as big as you would think. Like, I was caught up in it early on. Like, you know, had had to get Optimus Prime and all that stuff. But it, I kind of fizzled out on it. I don't know so much about the Transformers, except for, like, the basics. Wow. Yeah, and I was a huge fan of Megatron, obviously.
2: Well, I mean, obviously it was spun from the cartoon series, but it was, like, a thousand times grittier and darker and meaner. Mm. Like, you know, you'd watch the cartoon, and they'd be shooting each other, but nobody ever hit. And even if they did, they'd kind of just, like, wipe it off like it was a mosquito bite. Yeah. In the movie, they're dying left and right, graphically. yeah like they're like megatron you know turns into a gun shoots an autobot and they just like fade away with smoke coming out of their eyes Mm. i mean i saw it in theaters and i can't overstate how much of an event that was the promos leading into the movie kind of like just told you outright that optimus prime is gonna die Mm -hmm. so that's why i can't believe you didn't see it in theaters it was like for for me and my friends it was like can you believe they're doing this like it's like an adult Transformers cartoon.
1: Yeah, I, and and there's so much like controversy surrounding that film too. Like there's all kinds of like different versions. Yep. Yeah, and then like it was Orson Welles, I think, like last film and Scatman Crothers as well.
2: In Orson's case, like it's debated whether or not he's like really even in the film. Yeah. For those who don't know, he does the voice, or he's he's said to have done the voice of a giant robot that turns into a planet. It's just probably not the way he wanted to go out. <laughs> if I had to venture a guess. <laughs> but apparently he was so ill by that point that they could only use his like recordings by like kind of manipulating them and turning them into something else because he was so weak that the lines had no power. It's sad. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean in the movie like fucking Transformers are getting eaten alive by sharks and it's like they're they're actually saying curse words. It was big time.
1: And and of course, you've got the touch.
2: Oh, the greatest soundtrack. Yeah, yeah everyone well, who thinks that song is from a uh, Boogie Nights, nice, it's not. not. It's <laughs> from Transformers movie.
1: Yes. I don't have that much to offer on that one. I because I've seen it. I must have seen it at least five or six times. Whereas I think some people listening to the show probably have seen it like five hundred times.
2: <laughs> yeah, I have. For yeah, <laughs> sure. I'm. I'm surprised by this. I thought this would have been one of your faves.
1: Well. I think it was just for like, the fact that I was so much more into some of these other properties that we'll get to. You can't be into everything. It's almost impossible. Especially... There are only
2: so many hours in the day. Yeah, what, exactly. if That's what you're saying.
1: Yeah, exactly. But I do. I had Optimus and Megatron, like the original ones, and I love those. And the cartoon was all right. It's just I, I have to admit, and I'll get killed on this one, I was more of a GoBots fan. Hmm.
2: Well, I feel like the tide is turning on that front and people are starting to appreciate GoBots a lot more now. I would say I'm included in that
1: bunch. I just felt like GoBots was more fun. Transformers got like serious sometimes, you know?
2: Well, after the movie, it sure did. If you watched, you've probably never seen them because they're definitely less popular. But the show continued after the movie and it just got so weird and so bleak. Yeah. That as a kid you'd watch it and be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> this is depressing. But now you watch it and you're like, "Wow, this is brilliant. I can't believe this is like an 80s toy cartoon." Yeah. What do you have next?
1: My next favorite thing from 1986 is number 3.
2: That Joe's surrounded by cobras.
0: Yeah, Yeah, but that Joe's Sergeant Slaughter. He's joined the G.I. Joe team. So we're celebrating by
1: giving away Sergeant Slaughter action figures. But you can't buy them in stores. You've got to earn them. Here's how.
0: Collect five Sergeant Slaughter certificates or call the number on the certificate and Sergeant Slaughter will tell you how to get in on the action with only four certificates. There's a $1 handling charge. See details in specially marked packages. G.I. Joe. Nobody takes on choppers better than
2: Sergeant Slaughter.
1: The G.I. Joe figures that were released in 1986 were some of my all-time favorites, Matt.
2: Mm. Which ones are we talking about?
1: All right, so my I would say my all-time favorite G.I. Joe character. See, now, G.I. Joe is a topic that I can get into. That was more my speed. G.I. Uh, Joe
2: was your Transformers.
1: Yes, I was heavily into G.I. Joe as a kid. And uh, Zartan was my all-time favorite character. And his group of cronies, the Dreadnoks, were like... You know how, like, in wrestling, they had DX? Like, yeah. Yeah, the Dreadnoks were like the DX of... G.I. Joe back then, you know? Yeah, I could
2: see that. They kind of existed outside the organization, but they were still bad guys.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, G.I. Joe had a bunch of cool figure releases and some of them were new dreadnoughts and they started to expand on those characters. So, they got their own action figures, which were not only colorful like literally but also figuratively you know and they were on a different level so you know uh, 1986 saw such household names as zarana zarana uh, yeah. yeah zartan's sister yep ed ed his brother xandar uh monkey wrench joined the fray and another one of my favorites uh the master of mind control dr mindbender who oh, God, is that motherfucker Yeah, in my opinion, that's one of the greatest names of any character ever, like in any form of media. Dr. Mindbender. I love that name.
2: Yeah, and he was a cool-looking, weird dude. It was like someone took every Halloween costume and just made a guy out of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he was a great character. And in some of the other incarnations, he actually had different names, too, but Dr. Mindbender was the best. Uh, Then Dialtone was another gimmicky character that came out in '86. It was a crazy good year for G.I. Joe, but uh, I think to top it all off, uh, one of my most beloved figures as a kid from that year was the Mail-Away Sergeant Slaughter figure.
2: Oh, yes. That did come out then, didn't it?
1: And that's how I got him. I mailed away for him. And I remember when that figure came out, I was just so excited to get that. It was so cool.
2: Yeah, that was big time.
1: So it was a good year for G.I. Joe.
2: I'm surprised you didn't mention the Battle Android Trooper.
1: Oh, is he one of your favorites?
2: Uh, he's like one of my favorites from any line. Oh, wow. Like a Cylon mixed with Trapjaw mixed with Boba he Fett. Does,
1: he does sort of look like a Cylon. You're right.
2: He is cool. Yeah. And I think Serpentor might have come out in '86. Did Surprender come out in eighty six? Well, if, if unless yojo.com is lying to me. <laughs> Yo Joe! YoCho.com's been around for a long yeah. time. Surely someone would have told them if they were wrong about this crucial fact.
1: <laughs> I'm sure they're a hundred percent right.
2: What could be cooler than a guy dressed like a cobra with a cape that sparkled like a fucking cocktail dress from a Ginzo wedding? <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're right. Nineteen eighty six. That is uh wow. Yeah, that is um he's got some attire on. It it looks yeah, it looks like something that somebody would have on in, uh, at a party in eighty six and uh Yeah, right? Staten Island. Totally,
2: totally. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I got that figure, I was like, Oh my god. The gloves came off. I remember just like sort of making him saunter into my into all my other action figures on the bedroom floor and he'd be like ha it's a new day gentlemen it's a new fucking day immediately got all the thrones all the all like the best vehicles everyone was under his control it was hot
1: (laughs) and then cobra had to take the back seat cobra commander come on i always felt bad for him after that
2: yeah but he was already like semi-sympathetic he needed the big bad and what's a bigger bad than cobra man
1: <laughs> yeah, he's like the uh Emperor Palpatine of the whole Yeah. Thing. Yeah.
2: Good pick. Yeah, you're right. I didn't realize that 86 was such a big year for this line, but it was. Like that's when they started to get really like invigorated creatively.
1: Yeah, okay, I think like 86, 87 is probably like when it really peaked and then after that it kind of went a little bit downhill.
2: Right. It got a little too I mean, I guess they had nowhere else to go, so what are they yeah. going to do? But it got too cartoony and too much.
1: Yeah. Then they started moving away from the core characters, which is always, like, it's always a bad idea, I think. What do you have next, Matt?
2: All right. Here's my uh, next thing about
1: 1986. Number four. My pet
0: monster. He's bigger
1: than big. When he
0: fights battles, he always wins.
1: And he's your friend, too. He breaks his chains. Put him on you and break away, too.
0: With my pet
2: monster, you're busting loose. And scary.
0: And helps people, too. And
2: he's your friend, too. My next pick is My Pet Monster.
1: Awesome. I love
2: Pet Monster. Great pick. Large, ugly, purple and blue monster doll that was meant to be every little boy's best pal.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and worst nightmare at the same time. Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) Uh, It was made by American Greetings, who... They had already done, like, Care Bears and and Strawberry Shortcake. Mm -hmm. So to me, this was like them saying, hey, we could do boys' toys as well as girls' toys. And they were so fucking right. Yeah. If you didn't grow up with this doll and you look up a photo online, you might think it looks cool, but you probably won't get why it's become so legendary. The thing about My Pet Monster is that that thing lasted forever. Like, you know, most toys come in and out of your life within, like, a year. Like, Mm -hmm. within a year, you know, it's either broken or forgotten. Yeah. My pet monster would be like this surrogate body pillow. It would just stay in your bedroom until you were in college. Yeah. So it was like he was really always there for you. God knows what he saw over the years.
1: <laughs> as he shackled in the corner. Yeah, as he shackled in the corner as you're
2: as you're getting to know your body a little better. <laughs> oh no wonder his eyes are so fucking
1: bloodshot. <laughs> I just think it's funny that, like, in the original commercial for it, they keep reminding the kids that, you know, he's big and scary, but he helps people, and he's your friend, too. (laughs) They keep (laughs) reiterating that. Just totally, like, like covering every base. Yeah. like They they don't want you to get too scared because they want you to buy the doll, you know? (laughs)
2: American Greetings, you can't have your cake and eat it, too.
1: Yeah. Here's this giant blue ferocious creature who's in handcuffs, but he's friendly and he helps people. (laughs) He'll kill you or he'll save you. It's your choice. He will eat your uh, My
2: Buddy doll. (laughs) God. You know, I always took it to be that it was inspired by My Buddy.
1: Yeah, he seems like the antithesis of the My Buddy doll. Oh, boy. Here's your two quarters for that word.
2: So my impression of this doll is that, like, most of the ones that are out there are still with their original owners. When you hear, like, when someone puts a picture on Instagram of My Pet Monster, it's always so beat up. And they're like, look at this little buddy. I've had him since 1986. He's been with me
1: through good and bad. No, it's true. Like, and I'm sitting here with Alf, and I've had him since 86. So I I could relate to that. But at the same time, I feel like My Pet Monster is a, a, a character and a, a property that has not been exploited Anywhere near enough. I know they did a re release, and um I think you said you had the re release, right?
2: The re release was essentially the same concept, but the doll was not as awesome. Mm-hmm. They changed it up a little bit. They made the colors look, you know, how you said that they were trying to cover their bases and make them a little more friendly in the commercial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like this was taken a little more to the extreme. It looked a little bit too much like Monsters Inc.
1: Oh, yeah. You I know? know what you mean. Yeah. The
2: colors were brighter, yada, yada, yada.
1: Right now's a great time for them to exploit that whole thing it opened up all, all kinds of different things they had a cartoon series there was a live action uh oh, movie. that live action movie yeah. is
2: <laughs> oh my god it's the best and the worst piece of shit ever you know, made
1: i i have to admit i used to rent that all the time when i was it's a kid
2: so great and it's yeah. so horrible <laughs> i know it's like the duality and the dichotomy of this one video is just it should have been studied.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's but you know you going back to what you said though about uh how people have held on to their original my pet monsters sort of the same thing as like the boglin type situation cuz like if you have a boglin, you know, maybe you found it at a garage sale or you got it on eBay, but a lot of people still have their original boglins. So yep. it's a similar type of thing. You just don't want to let go of those things. So No, I, they're like they're they're just too cool. I would say it's time for the comeback, my pet monster. I'm totally
2: in agreement with you because you see like how often it's name dropped still today.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's like people still remember it and those who don't, now they want in on the on the fun. Yeah. If they brought that back this year, 30 something years later?
1: Yeah.
2: Oh jeez.
1: I think it would be a good time. Then you could make a whole a whole series like, you know, a female one, uh right. like, a, like a baby one. Oh, the, 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 it's a gold mine. Do you know that they actually back in
2: the day had a football
1: version of My Pet Monster? Uh, like an actual football player one? Yes. Yeah, it was like yep. the full-size
2: <laughs> like of all the side themes you could do, fucking football player. Like, who are you playing to? You know, like, if any, if these kids were anything like me,
1: like, they would have ran from a football Hamlet doll. They should have did, like, a universal monster theme or something.
2: Right. Where's the one that's holding a bag of fucking Cheetos?
1: (laughs) Or at least, like, you know, uh, wasabi nuts. Exactly. (laughs) 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 Mm. (laughs) My pet monster. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. What was your what's your next pick? My next pick from
0: 1986 is number 5 In nine hours and twenty-three
1: minutes. You'll be mine. Dance, magic, dance. Do you know that song, man? <laughs> this is a song from Labyrinth by David Bowie. My choice of Labyrinth has, actually has nothing to do with uh, Bowie's recent passing because I've always been a huge fan of Labyrinth ever since I was a kid. And uh, have you seen this movie?
2: <laughs> Why am I asking this question? <laughs> oh. Can I just tell you something? <laughs> yes. My girlfriend watches Labyrinth constantly. She puts yeah. on the DVD at least three times a week. Yeah. I have never seen the movie. I'll walk by and she'll try to get me to watch some supposedly awesome scene. And every time I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm in the middle of Candy Crush. I can't leave. I'll lose all my lives if I leave now. This has been going on for two years. All I know about this movie is that David Bowie is dressed like Nancy Wilson from Heart. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. Uh, well, at least you didn't say some crazy hairband or something like that. Like, no, no, of course not. <laughs> Nitro or something. All right. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so the synopsis, it's, uh, shame on you, by the way. No, actually, I'm curious. What the fuck is this movie about? Right. So uh, the synopsis from the IMDb page, uh, a selfish 16-year-old girl is given 13 hours to solve a labyrinth, which is one of those maze things, mm-hmm. and r- rescue her baby brother when her wish for him to be taken away is granted by the goblin king played by David Bowie. It was uh, co-written and directed by Jim Henson.
2: Damn. I'm losing all geek cred by not having seen this, huh? Yeah. This is Jim one of those... Henson, David Bowie labyrinth movie with Jennifer Connelly and eighties music and all that shit. And I haven't seen it. Yeah.
1: And for me, this was one of those magical movies that had this allure You know, it's a great film, but for me, it had this extra kind of uh, uh, sort of uh, mystery to it. You know, it had a mystique. Other films like this that had the same quality for me were Return to Oz and Black Cauldron and stuff like that. So I saw them all in the theaters, except I I didn't see Legend in the theaters. But for some reason, it felt like they didn't get tons of TV airplay, you know. So when I was real young, uh, we didn't have cable yet. So sometimes I'd be at a relative's or friend's house and it seemed like they were uh, like rich yeah. beca- because they all seemed to have HBO and we didn't have it yet. And, uh, you know, I'd get lucky and be at someone's house and Labyrinth would come on. So I'd, I'd beg my mom if I to stay to watch it, you know, and it was the same concept as when something's on TV and you're like more compelled to see it, to watch it and sit there because you're invested in it. right? But, but you wouldn't necessarily go and like seek it out in your DVD collection and put it on, you know so when it was on at any point i would i i was like glued to it
2: you just like that like phony camaraderie yeah that that thought that there were other people watching it the same exact time
1: yeah it was like yeah it was like this is happening right now it's like yeah because if i waited a few days and said mom can we go to the video store and rent it It just the moment would have passed you know so labyrinth was one of these movies for me that i just stop everything for uh you know but further into my childhood and teenage years it became one of my rainy day summer movies like because in the in the movie it's raining and it's like i, I guess it, i don't know if it's summer but it is raining so you can, it's just like it feels like a perfect movie to watch during that time but of course i'm, I'm a huge fan of jim henson and, and uh and all the creatures in the film and david bowie's awesome with the soundtrack it kicks ass so tell I think, me
2: more about david bowie because this obviously like he's yeah, like he, the one i'm always seeing reference like what's the goblin king all about
1: he's the goblin king and he lives in this sort of, I don't, I can't say it's another, maybe it's another dimension, but he's got all kinds of goblins and creatures that he commands. I mean, he, he's not the worst guy. He is sort of the, he's the villain, but he's not that bad of a guy and he's always singing and whatnot. And, uh, he has a giant cod piece. So everyone who does cosplay of him, they always like accentuate the cod piece. Gotcha. (laughs) So, Labyrinth. If anyone has not seen that, they definitely should.
2: I'm adding it to the list. <laughs> yeah, I'm along with... Trick or Treat o- and Poltergeist. Guys. All right, here's my next thing from 1986.
0: Number six.
2: The big question about new nerd cereal is... Oh, which side? Are you gonna be Orange flavor on mm-hmm. this side. Why? Cherry flavor on oh. this side. Cherry! So? Ooh.
0: They're so delicious, I can't decide. New Nerd cereal is the fruity, good
2: part of your complete breakfast. Which side are you on? Okay, I'm pretty sure this one came out in 1986. Uh, some sites have it as 1985, but I have done my research. Nerd's cereal, my brother. Oh yes, one of the most unique and memorable cereals of all time. Each box was a comp- has that how do you say that word Com- par- 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 cart? A, um, compartment
1: a no. compartment
2: compartmentalized
1: oh compartmentalized
2: each box was compartmentalized and contained two totally different cereals so like you'd have cere- like strawberry cereal on one side and mm-hmm. grape cereal on the other mm. total mindfuck if you're going by like 1986 standards
1: yeah they're they're recreating the box of nerds like an yeah. actual nerds candy box.
2: Yeah, and even the pieces look like giant nerds candy. They all mm-hmm. look like neon rabbit shit. The, uh, the boxes, like you said, they look just like the fucking candy, but 18 times bigger. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't an especially delicious cereal, because nothing Ralston has ever put out was especially delicious.
1: <laughs> I totally agree with that. Yeah, like, they
2: are, oh my god, it's like, hey, let's shit in a box and dye it green. <laughs> As long as we have Mario and uh, Link on there, everyone will fucking buy it. And we did. Hey, these Batman things taste like fucking vomit. Doesn't matter, dude. It's Batman.
1: (laughs) I think they made Freakies also. Yeah. And I remember, like, the, the, I mean, just to get off subject for a quick second, Freakies, the, the cover of the box, was the most amazing thing ever, but the cereal wasn't that good. So I totally agree that Ralston Came out with shitty cereals. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's like they fuck the Adams Family cereal. Are you kidding? Like, like it was literally like breaking up particle board and swallowing it. <laughs> but they knew how to pick up a good license, man. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like who's gonna pick Lucky Charms when you had fucking Nerds two feet away? Yeah. Like if your parents let you get sugary cereals, like there's no way you weren't gonna go for Nerds at least once.
1: But what's crazy about it is that like Nerds themselves were like at the time one of the best candies around. Oh you know, like, yes. Because they were like they were like mind blowing when we were kids. Like right. we're, you would freak out if you got a nerd. Well
2: I remember like I used to bring them to school with me just for the bragging rights. It was like yeah. the kid equivalent of getting a, a Corvette or something.
1: Yeah. If you had one of those exotic flavors that no one had yet. Like people would flip.
2: Yeah, and they'd just shake the box and then all eyes would be on you lovingly.
1: Yeah. Like, oh
2: so good. <laughs> But yeah, the cereal was garbage. But man, did it look great!
1: <laughs> it did. And do, do you remember they they had a a bowl? Do you remember the bowl that they came out with?
2: Yes, the bowl that had the divider in the middle. Oh man, that was so. so they, cool. I guess like you, I think I can't. It couldn't have come in the boxes. It was too big. So you must have it was mailed the mail away for away, it. Right? Yeah. yeah. So it was like this plastic. But it looks sort of like a salsa dish with this like divider in the middle. So you could either eat the cereal separately or let them mix together.
1: Somebody needs to come out with something like that now because I mix cereals a lot and sometimes it's a mistake. And I'm like, ooh, I shouldn't have mixed these two together. That's not a good thing, you know, to you know, keep I've, them I've separate. I've never done that. And I've heard since that you were like, you were definitely not the only kid who did that.
2: And I feel like I totally missed out because I never thought to do it as a kid.
1: Well, Except no, that's, like, that's the thing. When I was a kid, I never did it. And, like, I used to get mad at my dad because sometimes he would do it. I'm like, why are you doing this? And he yeah. was tell it's good. You should try it. And I didn't do it until I was, like, in my t- late 20s. Oh, man. So it's good then. It doesn't work for everything. It really – it's very rare that it works. But, like, man, Nerd Serial needs to make a comeback as well. You have, you have a good track record tonight for comebacks because if we can get My Pet Monster and Nerd Serial – to come back you know after 30 years i think we're, we're doing good on this podcast
2: yep and i well i, I would be very surprised if dirt cereal came back i wouldn't be surprised if uh the old monster did
1: yeah <laughs> is ralston out of business
2: no but i think they like they stick with dog food now and i'm not fucking kidding <laughs> I think so.
1: i'm not kidding that's no, what they, that's they do Ral- it's ralston oh, yeah. purina Maybe we were secretly eating, you know, just reboxed dog food with marshmallows in it.
2: Sometimes that's what it felt like. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little, but some of those cereals were just awful.
1: They were brutal.
2: They were, they were what?
1: <laughs> they were brutal.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Uh what's your next thing from 1986?
0: My next thing from 1986 is number 7. Touch me. Touch me. Touch me now.
1: Samantha Fox with Touch Me. <laughs> Now, I I mean, Jay's got a Jay. Yeah, everybody knows Samantha Fox, right? I mean, I'm sure you were familiar with her when you were a kid. Yes, I was. You know, her first big album and her debut album was was Touch Me and the single was Touch Me. But uh, at least in my circles, it was considered pretty extreme, you know, to pine over Madonna and Tiffany and Lita Ford while my guy friend's you wouldn't stop talking about sports and video games so you know you have to imagine you know how like my place in the world at that time right i never had any shame about my affinity for female singers and bands but usually if i made an admission like that it wouldn't have gone over too well Right. <laughs> so fortunately i was always the biggest kid in the class so i really didn't give a crap what anybody said Right. So, um uh, anyway samantha fox was one of my favorites and i had Posters of her on my wall at the time, and like even, uh you know, Miss Sexy Armpit always says, "How did you have posters of Samantha Fox on your wall uh, when you were that young?" And I'm like, "I did," and you, you know, my parents. <laughs> I, I could tell wow. you
2: how yeah. your your yeah. parents let you play the pop a balloon game <laughs> at Keensburg.
1: <laughs> they, There's a uh,
2: free poster, kid.
1: Yeah, they it, they were cool with it. So, but she anyway, Samantha Fox had like this sort of dangerous edge to her in comparison to some of the other you know, pop stars at the time because, like, she was exotic. She was British. And, like, we didn't know about her exploits as, you know, like a nude model in England before Mm -hmm. all this happened. And it didn't matter to us because we only knew her as, like, a cute pop star. So in the song Touch Me, there's all this moaning, and it sounded like it could have been the soundtrack to some, like, Skinamax movie. Right, right. So not to mention that as a synth pop type song, it worked well. And I think that's why it hit big, and and that's what got me into her, it, uh, really, was the music. It wasn't because she was a hot blonde at the time. No, actually, the song is good. Yeah, the song is good, yeah. It's, but like, I, legit good. And I I remember, like, I wanted the tape, the cassette, so bad, but it was, at the time, I'm not kidding, it was $17, the cassette. Uh, and this that was incredibly expensive, but... Most cassettes at the time, it became like CDs when they were real popular. They got so expensive. So I remember going to Sam Goody and saving up my money to get the cassette. The uh, video for Touch Me is completely ridiculous. And everybody should watch it because it's like every 80s cliche – put into this touch me video <laughs> yeah there's one one shot where they focus on like a rip in her jeans that's like right above her butt and this one dude in the front row is completely mesmerized by her and <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> there's big hair and denim and there's like powder on the drum as it's getting hit and uh, there's a it, lot of
2: denim just to go back there's a lot of denim
1: there's like a lot a real, of
2: yeah. real real like there's like I was surprised when I just watched. I watched the video just a little while ago.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm
2: like, holy shit. You know, when you think Samantha Fox, you're kind of thinking like almost dominatrix style.
1: Yeah, maybe. And then, like, you know,
2: I've like, seen her just come out. She looks like she's about to, like, you know, lead me through the fucking farmer's market. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, like Hillbilly Jim. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she there's one scene where she takes a sip of water and then she tosses it at her drummer and then he gets soaked for absolutely no reason. But I mean, with the edgy content of the song lyrics, it doesn't really match up with the video because it's one of the tamest videos ever. But right. if she was trying to be squeaky clean, like uh, Tiffany type, maybe she was trying to break in to the US with that vibe. But anyway, so the song and the music was pretty edgy at the time but touch me actually holds up as one of those good 80s synth pop songs you know
2: yeah my one memory of it from when i was a kid is how my older sister used to forcibly puppet me to dance along with it like (laughs) she would grab me from behind and hold my arms and make me do the whole sultry dance which of course like when you're like a little kid like it was the most torturous thing ever
1: (laughs) matt the marionette
2: (laughs) yeah just like the whole fucking song every time it came on Eventually, uh-huh. it was like Pavlov's dog. I, I would hear the song, and I would just throw up because I knew it was coming. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I have to say, if anybody listens to any Samantha Fox song, like that's that's the one. That's one of the best ones she, she's done.
2: Yep. Still makes the rounds on 80s channels with good reason. It does.
1: I can't wait to hear what you have next.
2: It's something just as sexy, believe me.
1: Number eight
2: cartridges a video game system plays the more fun it is and the atari 7800 plays
0: more games than the competition and they're about half the price super games like ball blazer
1: one-on-one
2: basketball summer games winter games karatika hat tricks and... the fucking atari 7800
1: <laughs> yeah that is pretty damn sexy
2: yeah no well it wasn't for me let me tell you <laughs> it's the root of one of my all-time stupidest moves uh-oh yeah story time
1: Okay, tell me about it.
2: So I made communion that year, which, uh, for those who don't know, is one of those big, dumb religious things all Catholic kids have to do. Yeah. like I'm sure you did, too.
1: Oh, I had to, yep.
2: Yeah. So the trade-off for having to wear a suit was getting, like, a Christmas-sized hall of presents. Like, that was, like, a big gift day. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you, yeah.
1: I wore so, a shark-skin shark suit to my communion. <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. <laughs> I could see it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so,
2: sorry. I had a, my choice. Like, this was, like, anything I wanted, I was going to get within reason. Yeah. And I picked the 7800 over the Nintendo. This was the worst fucking mistake yeah, I bad, think I've ever yeah. made. See, the thing was, we had a 2600. Like, I inherited it from one of my brothers. Mm-hmm. So, I already had, like, a huge library of Atari games. So, I'm thinking, it really makes sense to get the 7800. It's got to be as good as the Nintendo. How wrong could I be? Yeah. It turns so- out that I, I was so wrong. I yeah. was so unbelievably wrong. Yeah. That like, I go over misstep. my friend's house. Oh, my God. What a fucking misstep. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, I go across the street to my friend's house and play Super Mario Brothers, and I'd be like, I'd feel like I was on drugs on playing that game. <laughs> and then I'd come home, and I'd have fucking food fight in pole position. <laughs> just terrible. Like, I remember staring at the system and just feeling sick for yeah. months. Like, you know when you make a really bad purchase, even as an adult, and every time you look at what you bought, you just don't feel good? Yeah. It was the same feeling. Oh, just wanted to
1: die. I I think a lot of people probably share that same vibe because I didn't know a lot of people who even had that system. No, I am literally the only person (laughs) in North America who did. Yeah, like when you told me you had that originally, I'm like... Really? I'm like, that, that is really weird, because I know everyone I knew had the 2600 or some, you know, some version of the 2600. Yeah, well, 2600
2: well everyone the had 100. the 2600 because there was no Nintendo back then.
1: Yeah, exactly. So And it was around oh. for, like, so many years. But, yeah, the Nintendo Entertainment System, that changed lives. Yeah. That was a system that indicated that they were losing to Nintendo and Sega.
2: Yeah. I mean, and Sega hadn't even really hit big yet. But well, it was just S- so. Sega dated. came
1: out. Master System came out in '86, and that—that's it. Did but the the Master System wasn't a hit system. It wasn't a hit system, but I I got that instead of the uh, Nintendo when I was a kid.
2: See, that I was...
1: was I was one of the 125,000 people in America who owned it. <laughs> I'm serious about <laughs> well, that.
2: I yeah. think would still be. I mean, I love the Master System. You know that. Yeah. But that would still be a misstep. Just not as big of a misstep as picking the fucking Atari.
1: I got to tell you, it, it really intrigued a lot of people because it was so exotic to, like, friends. People used to come over and like, what is this? They didn't even know what it was because it didn't get a lot of, uh, you know, traction. Well, it,
2: it was halfway marketed to, like, older people.
1: The word on the street and the word at Toys R Us and the guy in the cage with the video games was that... <laughs> master system was supposed to have the you know great graphics it was supposed to have better graphics but you know, ultimately it was basically the same as nintendo i just had maybe it had a different engine i don't know I have
2: no yeah idea. i would say that it definitely felt a little distinct from the nintendo and in some ways better yeah but it just didn't have
1: it, it didn't have the, the playability in the games yeah
2: yeah but i mean it's all it's all several levels above from what i was dealing with Coming home to look at fucking splotches, throwing other splotches at each other.
1: (laughs) Although, you know, and I don't know if they chose the 7800 name for any specific reason, but I could tell you 7800 is a significant number. I don't know if you know that. No, I don't. It's the uh, degrees that uh, makes rocks melt. Is that true? Yeah, it's supposed to. Uh, be the melting point of rock. You want to know why I know that? (laughs) Why? Because Bon Jovi had an album called 7800 Fahrenheit, and that's what they named it after. (laughs) I just figured
2: you looked up the fucking number on
1: Wikipedia or something. No, I just know that. (laughs) Of course.
2: (laughs) Uh, Nice trivia. Yeah. What else you got?
1: My next thing from 1986 is something I think you would like, Matt.
0: Number nine. Laser tag. The game that moves at the speed of light. From Worlds of Wonder Stadium not
1: included. Laser tag. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Homemade sound effects brought to you by Dinosaur Dracula. (laughs) so i never actually owned uh laser tag back when i was a kid with the z laser tag with the z
2: yeah laser tag with Uh, the z is very important you googlers
1: yes but i would constantly play it at like neighbors and friends houses uh but my my one neighbor he had the whole set with the helmet and the the chest thing and uh while some of my other friends had photon you know so i was a
2: photon guy but it was the same thing
1: it was similar. I just always felt like Photon was kind of like the. Better? No. No. The. the Cooler? No. The kind of um, inferior step. Oh. Up.
2: Yeah. Oh, well, you know, we can agree to disagree. It's good <laughs> yeah. to have dissenting opinions on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. With each other all the time. It'd be boring.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So each one of the, uh, you know, versions of this had their strong points. But for me, laser tag was the namesake of the whole genre. It was like how sometimes people call uh, you know a Kleenex, and they ask for a Kleenex instead of a tissue, you know, they right. So anyway, eventually laser tag, they had their own cartoon show and their own little universe and then photon did as well. Uh, but I'd say laser tag, especially now, it's still around, you know. They've really had a long span of generations where people are uh, familiar with laser tag with the Z. But the original company that ran it was the Worlds of Wonder, who who originally brought us Teddy Ruxpin.
2: Welcome to the world of Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I loved the idea of laser tag. I thought it was really really cool. But for me, it was always like, well, I'm not gonna get laser tag because I don't know how often I'd be able to play it. Cause I'm just—it was just me, right? Unless I had friends over, then or like multiple friends over, you know, it, it was not feasible for me to ask, you know, my parents for an expensive thing like that. Well, uh, here's, like... well
2: here's what I want to tell you about Photon. That was yeah. the plus of Photon. Now, I don't know if Laser Tag had anything similar, but Photon had like this targeting set, so you could play yeah. like one-player games.
1: Yeah, I think they both had a targeting set. I think they did, but I just for me the Laser Tag guns. I always thought it looked more like futuristic. I like those better. Anyway, so they came out more recently with, in, I think it was 2012. Uh, Hasbro released a laser tagline which allowed users to integrate their iPhone or iPod Touch with the blasters. What does that do? It gave the user apps to display power levels and update players' gaming uh, like stats and leaderboards and whatnot. It was pretty neat. Uh, I know ne- I didn't have it, but I just like that the the uh, name lives on, and they're still keeping it real. You know, have you ever gone to play actual laser tag at like one of these big like uh, well, if- I, centers? I played Photon at the Photon Arena. Oh, you did in in Wildwood. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, I mean it's like at Photon came out in '86 too, so like they're both in the same pie. yeah, in the same yeah, yeah. So they came out
1: relatively like at the exact same time. Right, they were like big-time competitors yeah so
2: that arena in wildwood you never went there
1: um, i mean i've passed it i never actually played it I'm like, Oh my I mean, god I've, I've dude played. it
2: was like axis chemicals mixed with a rave yeah it was
1: it was insane in there i mean i eventually played laser tag a couple times in the, in one of the big uh, places in jersey but it, it, you know when you're older it's a lot of fun you can bring your friends and stuff why isn't that more popular now? Like, I feel like right now is such a great time to be shooting each other with lasers, you know? I
2: agree with you, but, like, I'm afraid, as an adult, I've seen plenty of these places. Like, you're right, laser tag arenas are still around, and
1: mm-hmm. there's
2: still, there's a number of them out there, even just in Jersey. Yeah. But, but I don't hear I always get so these... apprehensive about, going, well, I think people must feel the way I do, is that it's going to be awkward as an adult running around with this stuff. Like, you're either going to be too aggressive or you're going to be a pushover or you're going to, like, break your knee.
1: To me, (laughs) that's what you're worried about, breaking your knee. (laughs) Yeah. For me, I'm not, like, I'm not a paintball person. So, this is perfect for me because I don't get hit with any, like, steel balls or anything. Right. Like, with paint on them.
2: Do you play with other adults, or are you just running around with a bunch of 12-year-olds?
1: It's a mixed crowd, you know? You, you There is some kids and, and adults, you know, you can't really... I don't know if there's any, like, adult league, like, when you go bowling and there's right. just...
2: Right. <laughs> because I'll tell you what concerns me, and I know I'm going to come off like an asshole here, but if I run into that arena, I want to score points. Like, I'm not in it for the artistry. I want to fucking win. So right. if there's some four year old kid who doesn't know what he's doing, I'm just gonna stand in front of him and keep shooting him.
1: <laughs> like, is that bad form? I don't think that's bad form. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's the breaks, kid. Yeah.
2: You, know? you want in it? You gotta play by the rules. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. It's not like they do it in like pee-wee baseball where, you know, everybody wins, you know? There's right. no they don't keep score. You're not gonna pay thirty five dollars to play and get all suited up in shit that people wore before you and it wasn't disinfected oh you know what i'm saying you're yeah, gonna go and you, you want to win that shit what do
2: they make you like dress up as did they give you the full regalia
1: it was like i was in the running man with arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> <laughs> you're a dynamo yeah yeah <laughs> oh all right what's next
2: All right, my next pick is also my last pick. Here it is.
1: Can't wait. Number 10. These are the real Ghostbusters, and they're coming to KST Washington this fall.
2: So there were two big uh, TV debuts, and I wanted to pick one of them. It could either have been Pee Wee's Playhouse or the real Ghostbusters. Mm. I picked the Ghostbusters. Yes. Uh, I know we've talked about them plenty on our Halloween podcast, but there's just no way to not mention them on a show about 1986. That was like the coolest thing to ever hit the Saturday morning lineup. Absolutely. And I think even like we've talked about the cartoon before, we've gushed about it and blah, blah, blah. How many fucking adjectives could we use? More important than the show were the toys that came with it, though. Mm-hmm. Did you have um, one of the Proton Packs?
1: Absolutely. Had to, I had almost everything from the, oh, from the line. It's yeah. like a
2: plastic backpack mixed yeah. with a Nerf fencing set. Yeah. like The only reason like so many kids grew up wanting to be Ghostbusters is because it was one of the only fictional occupations that you could buy legit equipment for when you were a kid.
1: I know, I used to show up at people's houses with my PKE meter. Yeah. And like just just scan their house for ghosts.
2: Right. Like you totally got into it. They were yeah. always they were always around. It was like it was like super soakers without the water. <laughs> yeah. And the best thing about them is like around Halloween you would say, like Mom, I want to dress as a Ghostbuster, so you'd just get a bunch of fucking Kenner toys and they wouldn't be the wiser. <laughs> Like, yeah, I want to be a Ghostbuster. No, you just wanted, like, a pile of Christmas toys.
1: <laughs> yeah, I loved the real Ghostbusters. It was, like, such an awesome line. And speaking of that Proton Pack, though, I never kept the, the foam uh, stream, like the uh, the neutron stream or whatever the heck. Right, right. Yeah, I always took that out because it wasn't realistic. i rather, like, imagining it in my mind. I could you see know? that. Yeah, because otherwise it looked like a weird limp sort of like, uh, it cheese, looked like stick a stick or something.
2: It looked like a 64-inch dick in a limp yellow condom.
1: <laughs> just, is that just me? I don't think it was 64 inches, was it? I don't know. That's enormous. It depends if it was excited. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love the real Ghostbusters, though. Yeah.
2: Uh, I feel a little bad that I didn't give Pee-wee his due, but, you know.
1: I mean, we all love Pee-wee's Playhouse. Huge show. But, yeah, I mean, the importance of the real Ghostbusters cartoon to us was it's immeasurable. It actually created... A whole different aspect of the Ghostbusters, because not only did we have to deal with the film Ghostbusters, but then the real Ghostbusters, filmation Ghostbusters, and then you would read some magazine. The filmation Ghostbusters was based off of a seventies TV show. Right? There were like there were like, me, there there were like eighteen so quartets fuck. of Ghostbusters, Jesus. and some of them had
2: fucking gorillas,
1: and it was just it, it was totally insane. I know. I know so but the real ghostbusters were like they were a great uh like sort of middle ground.
2: And if you ever doubt the 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 scope and the popularity of that series, just look at Ghostbusters 2, which was so incredibly influenced by the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Like they totally, you know, made it a little more kiddie because they knew that they had so many eyes on them from the cartoon.
1: Yeah, it was hugely popular the cartoon. And and now, you know, <laughs> it's funny you mention that because the new Ghostbusters movie that's coming out, I don't know if it's Kate I think it's Kate McKinnon. She looks like Egon from the real Ghostbusters.
2: Oh yeah, that's been the big joke. She like yeah. she totally looks like blonde-haired Egon.
1: Yeah which is and I,
2: awesome, and it's I, like, it's so on the nose that it has to be intentional.
1: Yeah, that, that's amazing to me. I love that, and I, after being a fan of real Ghostbusters, you know, for a long time, you always wish, you're like, man, it would be great if they actually did a movie, you know, and I think there might be a fan film. Uh, I'm not mistaken, I think there was, but the, and then they wound up doing new comics from IDW that were inspired by real Ghostbusters as well, and, and now comics had those as well, too, so... There's a lot of real Ghostbusters stuff out there. And, you know, being able to live through that was awesome, especially with the toys and the fast food tie-ins. and oh, it was Ecto-cooler great. and ectoplasm I, and oh.
2: ecto-everything.
1: Yes. It was such a good time. Yeah. That was what was great about Extreme Ghostbusters is that real Ghostbusters existed, you know? And then, like, Extreme Ghostbusters came along and they didn't discount that show. They brought it. I love that. Whenever, yeah.
2: a, whenever a kid targeted property, like respects its own continuity. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's talk about 64 yeah. inch dicks. <laughs> like, that shit gets me going. Like, it's just like, it's so rare. And I, like, why do these companies and these people think that kids are too stupid to understand when things have irrationally changed?
1: Yeah. I I've, love that shit. I like that. I like that pick. I'm a real big fan of real ghostbusters. Well, thanks. Yeah.
2: So I understand you have one more for us tonight.
1: I have one more, and the reason being is that I wanted to have six, you know? (laughs) Okay. That's a good reason. I felt like I couldn't cut this one out uh, because it was near and dear to my heart. So my next thing from 1986 is...
0: Number 11.
1: Welcome to the highest rated show in national television today, The Flower Shop. But unfortunately, unfortunately, my guest, what the hell, Rowdy Roddy Piper. WWF superstars of wrestling debuted in 86, but more specifically, The Flower Shop with adorable Adrian Adonis. Oh, God, that yes. a, Yeah, that was his segment, right? And I don't know if everyone is familiar with uh, Adrian Adonis or not, but he started out and he was not uh, he was not the type of character who he ended his career on. No, he that's was,
2: certainly not.
1: The yeah, same. He was like a real badass kind of biker dude. But then he became adorable Adrian Adonis, which was a very flamboyant sort of uh, cross-dressing kind of uh, he, he was kind of like a, a gold dust in a way. He was but,
2: basically playing a transvestite. He but was not really. He was more like just a loudmouth guy who happened to dress like Homer in the Moomoo.
1: Moo. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the weirdest thing. Yeah, he looked like a guy who might have worked at the local liquor store, you know, but then he just put on like a, like, a, he dyed his hair blonde and then wore like, wore like uh, pink frilly things. Right, right. But, <laughs> but anyway, so WWF Superstars of Wrestling was really, that was a real big game changer for me because I had brief stints in little league and soccer that were cut extremely short because I informed my mom that I would no longer be participating <laughs> because I did not want to miss WWF superstars. So this is a hundred percent true. I believe it. Yeah. She tells the story to everybody. So, <laughs> so anyway, before Saturday morning wrestling ever came on, I, you know, I'm sure you did too, but around like six o'clock on Saturdays, I used to watch, WWF, before it was available in the mornings on Saturday. So, um, anyway, getting to watch cartoons all morning and then wrestling was like the greatest thing. So, yeah.
2: It was like a seven course meal that had a nice flow.
1: Yeah, exactly. That wrestling
2: was definitely the main course.
1: Yeah. It was like, yeah, the big showcase of the morning, you know? <laughs> anyway, so, show. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. so they were advancing some of the storylines uh, on uh, Saturday morning on Superstars, and, you know, they would do these segments like Piper's Pit, the Snake Pit, the Funeral Paul. Little
2: mini talk shows starring wrestlers as the hosts.
1: But what doesn't get enough love was the flower shop, and that was Adorable Adrian Adonis in, like, you know, a mock-up flower shop where, and it it sort of, it was a short-lived thing, but it filled the void for when Rowdy Roddy Piper was on hiatus. Right. And what happened was when Piper came back, it was like, it was like a, a built-in feud for him. So he started feuding with Adonis, and they faced off where they had Piper's, Piper's pit returned, and then it would be like like a duel against the, the flower shop. Right. And, and they would feud, and then Piper went on the flower shop and destroyed the set. I
2: remember that. That was such like, I'm like, oh, no, this means no more flower shop. Yeah, exactly. I love the flower shop. Yeah.
1: yeah. So and to know Adrian's character before it was and to see what he did, he really was doing some amazing stuff like i mean it was (laughs) so
2: i mean i mean it wasn't in great taste but as far as like yeah it was was so far beyond its time
1: it was and there was even a time like i think it was like tuesday night titans where you know he he came out as gay on tuesday night titans oh did he really i didn't know that he actually came out and said and they made a big like a deal of it uh but he was doing things that were really pushing the envelope at the time because a lot of people now will go back and watch it and they'll think, "Oh, it's, you know, nothing I've ever seen before" cuz guys do stuff like this all the time now. Right, you know, yeah. you know, you've you've had a few guys do, doing stuff like where you had you know, uh, Billy Gunn and his partner. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. So, and then you had Gold Dust. So, but Adrian Adonis was one of the early guys to do stuff like that. I can't believe he's not in the WWF Hall of Fame yet either but as a kid he was one of my favorite heels for a short time
2: well i uh, could tell you why he's not in the hall of fame they probably don't want to tell you that they actually ran that gimmick you know the yeah. the the bad guy gay guy yeah yeah that everyone made fun of yeah so
1: yeah they don't want that to be yeah. you know. but it, but still he he did uh, contribute a lot and he broke some ground i would say but uh saturday morning cartoons and wrestling and Flower Shop was one little aspect of WWF Superstars that I always enjoyed and doesn't get like any credit ever. I don't ever hear anybody mention the Flower Shop.
2: You're the first person to utter those words together in one sentence in more than 15 years.
1: Nineteen eighty-six. <laughs> so that was our discussion from uh, things from 1986.
2: Yes. We probably missed a
1: lot, huh? I think we did, yeah. I mean, but I think we opened some eyes because, like we said, '85 and '87, unbeatable years. You know, '86 kind of like, like not really talked about that much,
2: right? And there were the, you know, the more I looked, and I'm, I be, I'll be honest, I've been looking a little more even as we've been recording. Like I totally forgot that Friday the Thirteenth Six came out in '86.
1: It did. Yeah, I, I, and that, the Alice
2: Cooper song and all that.
1: Yeah, and h- how can you narrow down the movies though from '86? Because like. All right, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, one of my favorite movies of all wow, time. Wow,
2: we didn't even talk about Ferris. Wow. Yeah, it's
1: hard not to, like, you can't put everything in these lists, though, because we'd be here forever, you know?
2: Yeah. One thing I'm really surprised you didn't mention.
1: <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Could you guess? Karate Kid Part Two. Sammy Carr. Sammy Carr, Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat, 1986, Sammy Carr. You know, I feel like I I didn't want to do, because there's a lot that I can That I'm like, maybe we should save this for a Halloween show because there's a lot of stuff like like Jason lives in trick or treat, obviously, you know, but I think we we've hit on them a lot so far in the purple stuff. So I wanted to kind of hit on some stuff that we never did before. Never talked about.
2: Yeah, we certainly never talked about uh, G.I. Joe or Alf or or
1: or Samantha Fox
2: or Samantha Fox.
1: Yeah, that's or laser tag. So this show has been as monumental as the year, 1986.
2: Uh, it certainly has.
1: Yeah. So thanks, to everyone, for joining us for another Purple Stuff podcast, the 20th episode. Had a good time.
2: I had an okay time.
1: Yeah, I mean, mediocre, I should not I mean,
2: I, I give it a C. But a good C. A, okay. A C with a happy face next to it.
1: Oh, okay. Like, good effort. Yeah. Try better next time.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it can't all be home runs baby
1: (laughs) well this has been the purple stuff podcast i am jay from the sexy armpit
2: and i'm matt from dinosaur dracula
1: we'll see you next time in the flower shop somebody should do a re a remix of the candy shop that 50 cent song do the flower shop with like bits and pieces of adrian adonis in there
2: Yeah, I'll get right on that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Purple Purple. We hope you will join us again sometime.